This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! Look a shot! Oh, a goal! My goal! post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Gets to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! It's great to have you on the pod in a time where, at time of recording, things can be a little bit stressful for Swindon fans right now because, you know, it's pre-season, but we haven't got a manager at the time of recording and we're waiting for those signings to come in. So I couldn't think of anything better than to talk about Swindon Town of old. So thank you very much for agreeing to come on and take part. You're very welcome. And indeed, I am an oldie. I've just qualified for my concession this year. So I passed my 65th birthday, but I don't feel that old. (laughs) Well, that's good. And we'll take the full benefit of being able to talk about a a large chunk of Swindon Town history and certainly an eventful chunk in Swindon Town history. That's for sure. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, of course, we've got a, a little bit of a theme going on. So um, rather than have peculiarities of players, we're, we're looking at the whole range of players over the uh, 70s, 80s, 90s versus the millennium, which yeah. I'm sure you will have called it some reasonable name. 
<laughs> yeah, I've gone for 20th century boys versus the 21st century boys. I, I've had a long day. I, that's as good as I could do uh, for you, Paul. But before we go into those two 11s, mm-hmm. and I appreciate I've done these pods before and they've gone on, on and on and on and on and on because I just love listening to these stories. So considering we've got two 11s this time, um, we better get cracking straight away with the background of your time supporting Swindon. So... How does a guy like you end up supporting a team like Swindon Town Football Club? <laughs> well, I, I have to admit it now. Um, it was my mum's fault that she she gave birth to me in Oxford, <laughs> in the Radcliffe Infirmary, which is now been uh, knocked down. I come from a, a small village called Clamfield, which is just the other side of the river. But I do live in SM7 postcode now, Farringdon, and uh, when I was um, when I was uh, very young, my grandparents lived in Swindon. They originally lived in uh, Walcott, and then they moved to fairly close to the ground, which is, people will know, it is Southampton Street, which was near the Merlin pub. Mm-hmm but it was called the Oxford Hotel, I think, in those days. <laughs> so, uh, there's a bit of history for you. And obviously, when I was around about, not, well, six and seven, my dad used to take me along to see the reserves, first of all. And I used to enjoy that. And then it graduated to seeing the first team which I I first saw in 1966. Nice. Interestingly enough uh, we used to have to go early (laughs) so that my dad could get me at the front (laughs) and in latter years I used to stand on a box that we used to take in. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, all those old-fashioned things, scarf, rattle, which would now be banned (laughs) of course, because it was probably used as a weapon. <laughs> but uh, I, I do have fond memories of, uh, you know, going to watch the reserves and seeing some of the up-and-coming players, which, you know, I'd like to sort of mention at this stage because I, I'm sure we will mention lots of other considerations in my teams at a later date. So players like in goal, little Tony Hicks, who was incredible for his size, really. And when he played in the first team, he never let them down. Roy Jones, who you wouldn't have heard of, but he he was a good goalkeeper and he came out of the RAF, I think. Did um, Roy Jones play in the Anglo-Italian Cup? I believe he did. He, he, yeah. In 1970, he would have been back yeah. at Peter Downsbury, yes. Yeah. Then players like Rob Desmules, yeah. David Dangerfield, Vincent Massier, Jimmy Giles, who was a local chap. From from 65, 66, or 64, 65, like they, they yep. had a lot of players like um who did loads of great stuff in the reserves and then didn't get a look in because obviously we had a very rigid 11 a lot of the time in that era. Like I, there was there was a forward who scored six in a game for uh for Swindon, Howworth, and Pace, right. Pace, 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 Pace. Yeah, 
play twice, play twice for Swindon or something <laughs> like that. But nowadays, if you score six goals in a development game, you are starting or at least on the bench, aren't you? It's crazy. Yeah. And then, then I was surprised to see like, and this might be a year before you start going. So do correct I, I, me. Owen my, Hand. I would have known him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I mean, did you see Owen Hand playing the reserves who went on to become an Irish international and a Portsmouth legend, but he was going to play for yeah. a year. I, I saw him and I saw him play against us as well. Crazy, isn't it? So, Crazy. Uh, so, so in what's, what's your dad's logic here? What was the big difference between taking Little Pool to watch the reserves with a couple of thousand, then deciding to graduate to to the first team? Was it was it to make sure that you would be into it? I think it was all about being able to see, really, <laughs> because in those days they were getting fair crowds, and to stand on the terraces was not that easy so it was um you know it was you could get to the front and and you know watch it from all around the ground really watching yeah. the rest. i i'm quite envious of you to be honest the fact that you went to your first game in <laughs> in may 1966 against exeter city because i went to my first football match after Italia 90. And mm. I don't like, even though nobody does think about it, I don't like people thinking that I wasn't following football until Italia 90, but I was football obsessed when I went to my first game, but because I wasn't around Swindon at that time, I didn't go to my first game. And I love the fact that you got your game in before the World Cup. Um, so you can say, I've always, I was being a football fan for ages, me. Yes. Even winning the World Cup made no difference. <laughs> yeah, and I can remember watching that in black and white as well <laughs> later in the summer. One player that I, I was going to mention in mm. the reserves was Bruce Walker, who was the the backup to Don Rogers, really. He was an out-and-out winger, and he never used to get in. But whenever Don couldn't play, he always did well. It was a bit like little Tony Hicks really coming in never let you down in fact I think he scored in a cup game once an important cup game but I might be wrong I know he played well yeah moving on to that game I don't remember a lot of it in 1966 but I I remember the forwards and you know the the makeup of the team which I, I then began to to watch during the end the 60s up to the League Cup. But the forwards were Dennis Brown and Keith East. I also saw at that time a chap called Pat Terry, who was an absolute animal of a player. But he, he was really sort of a, a good old-fashioned centre-forward that would knock everything into the net. Um, but quite beautiful. <laughs> It's because, quite interesting that that era of Swindon Town because, mm. and I sort of talk about this in various eras that, you know, let's talk about the, the, the players from that game that you don't remember, but the players that are in that squad, if you've got any sort of interest in Swindon Town, each and every one of them are known, especially in the outfield. Yeah. So Owen Dawson, loyal as anything, was there throughout, yeah. was huge in the League Cup um, run, but obviously I think he was injured by the time the final came around. Um, you have John Trollope, obviously you've got Keith Morgan, Wes Wiltshireman, uh, born in Trowbridge, played hundreds of games for Swindon. In I think injury finished him, but because of 69, these guys 
get lost in the conversation. Um, Mel Nurse was one, you know, was great player for Swindon. I remember watching Mel Mel Nurse when he he first started, very very composed. Yeah, the sort of centre back that you know the modern coaches would like to see. Yeah, and and then the forward line, as you quite rightly put, you mentioned there. Keith East has his breakout season the year you go and see him, really, and, yeah. and off he goes. They, they, they sell him off to Stockport County, don't they? But um, yeah. he has, he's a one-season wonder with Swindon, but he had a magnificent campaign. Yes, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was really great to see some of these older players that my dad would always say were good players. I mean, he, he told me about some of the older ones as well that he'd seen you know, the likes of Ernie Hunt, Bobby Woodruff. Um, Mike Summerby, OBE. Mike Summerby, yes. <laughs> you're, you're about the same age as my dad. And <laughs> my dad was is, is a Wiltshireman, but not from Swindon. And in 1969, you're what, 11, 12 years old, which is a really awkward age because, you know, I remember being 11, 12, you're football obsessed but there's no way I would have got to the 1969 cup final unless my parents took me, you know? So my dad didn't go to the final in 69 because he wasn't allowed to. And his, and his, and my grandparents obviously weren't willing to take him to London for the day. And I think he, he's always resented that a little bit. Did you yeah. go to Wembley in 69? Of course I did. Ah, yes. Well done. <laughs> journey um, with my dad. And I do, I, I remember the the day really well. Uh, we got there, you know, it was obviously a big crowd of people. I do remember, funnily enough, I, you know, I was only 11 at the time, but um, I do remember as we drove into Wembley on the coach, some Arsenal supporters stormed onto the coach and started giving us a load of stick. So it was uh, quite funny, but they... They went home with their tails between their legs, of course, after Mr. Rogers put uh, Mr. Wilson on his backside for the, the final goal. But I do, I do remember uh, some kind people letting me sit on the wall or get through to the front because by the time we got in, and we were in the terraces behind the, the goal at Wembley. There, there was already a crowd of people at the front, so... The terraces weren't that high, and I, I wasn't that big at that age, but they, they let me go through and, and sit on the front, which was really nice of them. Yes, yeah, so incredible day all round. Yeah. I think, I think for someone who wasn't around at that point as a Swindon fan, I always sort of question the club, and I don't talk about the question the club now, <laughs> as in the current owners. I, this is something that I've thought about a long time because – Historically, unless you are sort of reading, you know, Plowman and Matic and and, and absorbing Rich Banyard's website, mm. Swindon really talk about 1968 to 71 all the time. Mm. And then there's this huge sort of gap in the 70s where, you know, we become essentially a cup team, but we struggle, you know, the bubble bursts in terms of Swindon's sort of glory days end, the Anglo-Italian Cup, it all fades away. And then we're left with Frank Burrows and, and Joey Butler and the big hitters go. Don Rogers comes back, but he's not the same. Yeah. 
But there's this, there's this, these loads of players during this era, but we don't talk about the 70s as much. We talk about individual games in the late 70s with League Cup runs and stuff like that. Yeah. What are your memories of those post-League Cup and Anglo-Italian Cup years supporting Swindon? Oh, absolutely. Um, fantastic. And, uh, you know, that, that season we went up anyway. And so we were into Division 2, as it was now, the Championship. The season after was was incredible, and and some of those players they really stepped up to the plate because we, we had the addition of Arthur Horsfield and Peter. Uh, well, Peter Noble was still there; he was in the cup winning side, but they formed a fantastic partnership up front. And with Don Rogers, his pace and you know we we were really untouchable attacking wise. But, you know, there's lots of unsung heroes there. You, you say Owen Dawson. I mean, I can remember when Rob Thomas made his debut. I, I, I was sort of worried. I was going in to, to the match. And I said, well, who's Rob Th-? You know, we'd seen him in the reserves. I don't, don't know how he's going to play. He hadn't played much in the reserves because I think they got him from somewhere in Wales, I think. So from non-league and... He just stepped in and Owen Dawson couldn't really get back in the team from there. So it was pretty set at the back. Frank Burrows can come in with Stan Harland and they were formidable, really. I mean, Frank Burrows, I can remember him sliding half the length of the pitch when it was really wet and (laughs) slide tackling. And, you know, he'd never be beaten in the air. He was a, you know, it was... He was, he was a really good old-fashioned centre-half. Slightly different to Mel Nurse, who was a, a bit of a ball player as well. Um, and then, obviously, you got John Trollope, who who ran the line perfectly. You know, he's, well, he is a legend, but he, he, was a, he was a great player. And then in midfield, you had... Roger Smart was always the butt of the crowd, but he was a hard-working player. Joey Butler, the same, really, but more of a crowd favourite. You know, it was hard tackling and it was very versatile. Uh, Willie Penman was very underrated as a footballer, I felt. And then you've got the front three or four. Don Heath was another winger that we used to have, so... Yeah, Don was the first to go, wasn't he? I think he was unsettled in, in the southwest. Yeah. He was He was the first to go after 69, wasn't he? It, it probably when they went up into Division Two, he was the one that probably struggled the most. Mm. I feel, but then of course Danny Williams left, and then we have Fred Ford, and you're thinking, hmm, I don't know, but he he was a good local man, and he was, you know, he he had a good history. I I believe he'd done some stuff at Oxford as well, so. <laughs> <laughs> certainly at the Bristol teams, wasn't he? He was, he was yeah. certainly with the Bristol teams. They stick around for too long. Things mm. start goes wrong in the seventies. You've got, you've got plenty of like players during this time. David yeah. Moss, Kenny Stroud, uh, Dave Sirrett, you know, and early Chris Kamara in the late in the late seventies. Yeah. But there, there is a wane, isn't there? After at, in the mid seventies, there is. Um, I mean, went wrong with you know Dave Mackay coming in. Uh, 
I don't think he was suited to Swindon at all, really. He wanted to play on. So that, that put noses out of people that were doing a good job at the back. It's Stan Harland that gets the big hit there, isn't it, under McCarthy? Yeah, I think he pushed them in, into midfield so he could play at the back. <laughs> and and then, obviously, they sold Rogers and brought in Tommy Jenkins, who was, well, he wasn't Don Rogers, <laughs> you know, and the crowd was sighing. But, yeah, so there's a little bit of a rebuild. And as you say, the the Sirrets, Kenny Stroud come through. from, the, But they were good good youth players. Dave Moss is a local to me. Um, he was a Whitney boy. Um, I played, uh, went to school with his brother, Stuart, who, who was a good footballer as well. But but Dave Dave was a good player. He had a good good peg on him. Um, you know, he could hit a ball, good, good crosser of the ball, um, reasonable pace. Um, and he did well for us. But then, you know, he went to Luton, I think it was. And we we tended to struggle a little bit. I mean, Easto came in instead of Horsefield. He was he was a, a great player up front. At first I had him on loan and then we, we managed to sign him. He was a good asset, scored quite a few goals. And then that sort of brings us up to early 80s when, with Les Allen not a great season <laughs> I do remember I mean they signed Ray Tracy I remember him as a you know an excellent football excellent touch in front of you know goal seeking as well so I do remember I one of my favourites was Ray Bunkle it's a great name <laughs> but he he was um, taken out of Tottenham reserves, I think, and given a chance. And uh, he, he he started well, but he, he then sort of um, it, you know it it sort of tapered off with him. And then gradually we go into the depression years. Mm, it's it's a really good way of describing it because you know Swindon is always sort of described as a roller coaster but yeah when you consider where we were at the start of the 80s you know yeah. and where we finished the 80s it's not a roller coaster it's just yeah it's just a rise isn't it and i i couldn't imagine sort of i remember my dad talking about being the one of you know a handful of swindon fans in the county ground during that day, that those days yeah. And, you know, the, the, the gates that we were commanding in the in the early 80s for some, well, I think it was, you know, my first season on this on this planet, the the 83, 84 season where, mm-hmm. you know, we are getting, you know, 2,800 at the start of the season, mm-hmm. you know, where there's meant to be optimism. You know, we, we finished the season with gates under 2000 and if you think about that in terms of modern football we're done you know we're finished as a football club what was that time like and why was it so bad in terms of attendances we're coming to the sort of time where I I started to play myself so I wasn't going so much then 
but uh, I would I would go, and I remember going to see a game. This is just before um, it, it was deep in the fourth division then, because John Trollope had taken us down, and um, which wasn't his fault. Um, and uh, I can't remember who we were playing, but it, it, there were. There was at least 2,000 there. You know, it was one of the poorest uh, attendances I've ever seen. And I was watching some of the players and they they, they were just poor. You know, we, we were lucky to survive at that point. And, to, and, and then Makari came in. Well, it didn't initially work, did it? Because <laughs> he was effectively sacked and then reinstated by... Player power, but uh, a bit of fan but, power as well, wasn't there? I think it, it in that. Yeah, it did work in the end. I mean, we had like periods during that time with um, Ray McHale, Chris Kamara, yeah, um, Roland and Mays up front. But then Macari got us out of the fourth division with a pretty poor side, I think. Um, Charlie Henry was a hero that season, but I, I don't think he could have played much higher than that, really. I think that was shown, wasn't it, in, in what yeah. happened once when, when they started climbing. Charlie Henry's sort of contribution became less, didn't it, as, as a result? You know, we, we were rising, rising up, and then the likes of Duncan Shearer come in and Jimmy Quinn, Chalky White... And that takes us through to the nineties, really. How how exciting was that eighties rise? Where it went from, where it went from that mediocrity. What was that like? Because you know, I I can only look back with envious eyes. It, it it just looks like a really exciting time to to support the club. It was exciting, and obviously, I think it was the, the start of the playoffs as well. The dreaded playoffs. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I love them. And uh, you know, we we had some some tough games to get get up the league, and uh, you know, but we put together a, a really tough team to beat. And Lou Macari was, uh, you know, we were winning most of our games at the end of the game because we were far fitter than the other teams, and you know the the crowds started to come back because they, they actually love that commitment. And I think it's a very results-ridden thing, football watching at times. You need success to, to get the crowds back. But you also need to see some passion from the players. And I'm, I'm sure Macari turned that round at that time. So if, we, if we're talking about the 80s being from rock bottom or as near damn it to rock bottom to sort of yeah. meteoric, and we got so close to the first division within the 80s as well, of course, because we got to the playoffs where Crystal Palace uh, beat us in the semis. Um, yeah. And then we, then we have the 90s where, you know, it's very hard to describe really, isn't it? Because we're as good as we've ever been, arguably. Then we have the demotion, we have the scandal, we, we lick our wounds, we, we struggle for a season and then Glenn Hoddle builds us back up and then there's that peak of 92, 93. And then the rest of the 90s, even though the majority of it is in the championship level, it's just that it, we're going down the mountain 
<laughs> and it, the emotions just just to be a Swindon fan as an adult through the from the start of the 80s to the end of the 90s whew, I think I'd have a few grey hairs it's, it's a bit of a shame for me because I probably you know I, I saw Swindon in the 70s when they were really successful went to League Cup final and and that sort of stuff. Then I started playing football myself, so I wasn't able to see so many games. We're going to need to know what standard we're playing here, Paul. Come on. We're playing <laughs> Saturday, so we're doing all right. What... District, so uh, <laughs> you probably better not mention my name too much because <laughs> I was a nutcase goalkeeper. But uh, uh, yes, so I had a few teams in uh, Whitney and District. I played played that level, but I, I enjoyed playing my football. But I hung my bit, boots up early. I think my my first wife, she threw my boots in the bin when I was about 33, so I thought I'd better pack up. The, the first wives, they do that a lot, from what I hear. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I missed a lot of the premiership season. But I did, I, you know, I obviously saw some of it coming up to then. I, I really liked uh, Muscle when he came in. I thought he was a great striker. I was, I, I was sad to see that he, he didn't come on board with, in the Premiership and do yeah, that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting one, Maskell, yeah. isn't it? Because he was such a superstar. Again, really a one-hit wonder. And yeah. he starts the Premier League season and Gorman just... Like doesn't him. doesn't fancy him as much as as uh, say Fjortoft, who you know gets lots of chances before he gets his, yeah, he, his moment. He got off to a sort of sticky start, really, didn't he? It took a while to settle down. The season was what it was. It was frustrating, but I, I managed to see quite a bit of it because it was on TV at the time as well. So and then and then we were coming down, had a reasonable season. To start with, under Gorman, and then Mr. McMahon comes in. Yeah. Now, at that time, um, my son was just about into football, and he wanted me to take him to Tottenham Hotspur. (laughs) So (laughs) I took him there for a couple of games, and it just cost a fortune, the transport food, tickets. Anyway, so it was trip to Monans again. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, I told him, well, you better come and watch Swindon. So, and and then I formed my, my dad come with us. So, and, and we, we got used to sitting down at football and it was the Steve McMahon era. And I, obviously I've been to most of the home games ever since, really. Wow. So, well, it just, it went well, I, I suppose, really. Well, initially, we went down. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think McMahon did a reasonable job. Uh, he he was very, very, um, well, like he played, really. I mean, he was a very harsh person, I think. 
you wouldn't do very well with an HR director, I don't think. <laughs> I think I think we've got enough evidence in the podcast to um, suggest that Steve McMahon might not have worked as a manager in modern times. That's for sure. But no. for my generation, 95, 96, for example, and for your son, yeah. it's one of our favourite seasons because we had some great players. We played some great football. We just didn't really understand what was going on behind the scenes, potentially. But because we were winning, nobody really cared, did they? Yeah, I mean, obviously the finances were... Mm. In those days, you didn't get... With, with no social media, not no. even email then, I shouldn't think. C-facts. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't find out that much, but you had an idea that it wasn't going too well finan- financially. So, yes, and then obviously all went to pot with him. Mm. And then we had uh, Jimmy, it was Jimmy yeah. Quinn afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. I yeah. I, I, I love Jimmy Quinn. Uh, nice guy. I Obviously, he didn't get on with all the players, though, did he? <laughs> no, and, and I mean, uh, Jimmy Quinn, any other era, Jimmy Quinn was destined to manage Swindon. And especially for all of what he did with Reading, he was always going to, you know, wind up at Swindon at some point. It was just the yeah. wrong time. Just the wrong you know time. You could probably see what he was like, really, because if it wasn't going very well, he'd bring himself on. <laughs> yeah, number 40. Yeah, number 40, <laughs> oh, Jimmy. God, he can't score. I'll have he to didn't. go on. He didn't score <laughs> either, though, did he, Jimmy? <laughs> I don't think he got any in, in that spell. No. It's, it's a really bleak period for Swindon, yeah, really. And, and to think we're championship level in, during this part as well, it's yeah. crazy. Oh, I forgot to say uh, Bobby Howe, sexy football. Oh, no, we're right on Bobby Howe, sexy football. We've not missed him. <laughs> some of the stories. So I've, I've talked to a few of his teammates over the years, but some of the stories I've heard about Bobby Howe, they are very too hot for the pod. Goodness yeah. me, make you blush. <laughs> One player that didn't play for us much that... I absolutely admired as soon as he came into the team was Philip Cuervo. Yay. <laughs> did I say that right? <laughs> you did. Philip Cuervo. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Cuervo. Um, when he was fit, he, he, he had a few moments of magic in him, didn't he? Yeah. And I did I, I did like Paul Allen at that time as well. Oh, yeah. Paul, when he came he great, here... But he, he, I mean, he had quality anyway you know. yeah he still had it didn't he in the third tier. yeah we, we, we shifted him to Bristol City pretty swiftly in the championship sort of yeah. once we got promoted but in that league one um season I say yeah. league one the you know division two um you, you just a master stroke sort of bring in experience so yeah. good yeah it's a great player another player that you know showed a lot of passion for you know, for playing for Swindon, yeah, and you know, even though he wasn't, you know, no, he's West Ham and Spurs, it. isn't he? West Ham and Spurs. He doesn't need Swindon. Yeah. He didn't, but he always looked like he enjoyed himself, didn't he? And yeah, he playing did. for town, yeah. Lampard calling Tommy Taylor into the scene, and then losing the ball out as Moss now takes it up for Swindon. He's got Anderson in the middle and Easto, and it'll come now for Peter Easto. Yes, Easto is equalised.
spot. And put it past Mervyn Day to make it 1-1. Let's get your first 11 of this episode. Right, yes. then. So, you know, there's some absolute big hitters here. But what fascinates me is that we have 30 years, three decades, 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah, it's a lot. Footballers. Yeah. And we'll see in a moment. Tricky decision. Honestly, it's, it's been... It's been quite tricky for me to, to do. And I, I'm going to upset somebody, but you're going to, you go. I think yeah. you're going to upset a, a fair few. Maybe more of, you know, my my leaning, my era, they're going to agree with you completely, I think. But I think some of your contemporaries yeah, are probably yeah. going to ask you a few questions. But let's go but with the goalkeeper. We'll mention a few as I'm, <laughs> that come into contention for sure. Well, let's start. Let's start in goal then, because you know you've, you've you're a goalkeeper. You have yeah. a fondness for some of the peripheral players like Hicks, um, as you mentioned previously, and Jones. Yeah, yeah. This should be a straight shootout, really. This is this is Downsborough versus Digby in my mind. Who gets it? Yeah, uh, I would say Jimmy Jimmy Allen was a good goalkeeper yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so it it bears a mention. Um, I think because Fraser played at the higher level, I'd go for Fraser Digby. Oh yeah. Peter Downsworth was very good, and obviously he was magnificent in the League Cup final. That doesn't quite count, actually, because we were starting in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> well played. What a great technicality that is. He was... Um, Digby was slightly better on crosses. Okay. Uh, that That's just a technical area. Hey, you know, you've already got it. Downsborough's biggest moment was in the 60s, and we are not talking about the 60s, so well played. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. Sh- I think we're playing a 4-3-3. I think... Yeah. So we, we're going right back first. Again, Rod Thomas isn't celebrated enough in this in this era. Surely he gets into your 11 from this. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so close because I, I don't want, you know, it is over three decades. And, you know, I, I want to, I know Rod Thomas has played lots of internationals. And he should be in there, but I'm going to go for David Kerslake. I don't mind it. And based on what I saw and how he played over that period. And maybe Rod Thomas, um, he did he did leave us in the end, so um, in the early 70s, so. They all leave us. <laughs> um, and yes. the other one was Paul Allen. Yeah. Paul Allen could pretty much play anywhere in the Swindon era, I think. He... I think Kurz um, played enough for us. It's probably up there with Rod on appearances, so um, I'm, I'm he's going to sh- get a nod from me anyway. Yeah, I'm pretty sure David Kurzlake arrived at Swindon, not even as a right-back, and then he became the best right-back outside of the top flight with Swindon. Mm. And I think a lot of people's thoughts on David Kerslake are skewed by his unsuccessful second spell at the club mm-hmm. where, you know, he wasn't 
he wasn't anywhere yeah. near to the standard he was before. But because he didn't play, because he was sold just before we made the Premier League, again, I think his legacy is tainted um, because yeah. he was a brilliant, brilliant footballer. And I have to add, one of the nicest people I've ever spoken to as well. Yeah. He is so nice. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was great pod, yeah. It was, it was good. Oh, just um, just all through the, the process. Just an absolute gentleman. Yeah. Lovely. What you oh. understand is that I'm picking these teams to compete against each other. Oh, yeah, but... And they've got to compete against the modern players. And I think Kerslake had a reasonable amount of pace. He was a modern man. Yeah, he was, he was a good He'd have, he'd, have, he'd have fit in in the modern era, no problem at all in his, in his prime. Uh, let's, let's move to centre-back then, shall we? So, again... As well, because uh, I've just seen in your voting that Colin Calderwood is... Uh... Best defender we've ever had, arguably. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he was brilliant. Um, but I'm going to go for old-timer here. Um, I think that Frank Burrows was... Okay. A just such a solid centre He was so good in the air, and I, you know, we we've been lacking that for uh, many since Sean Taylor left. I, I think I think I think it's good to have the seventies represented yeah. with with Frank Burrows. He had a player of the season. Um, Colin Calder would not be in there makes me feel a little bad for him because he, he should be leading this team, let alone, um, you know, sat on the bench or, or not in the squad at all. But Frank Burrows, he's a great, he's a part of the, the, the that start of the 70s, great, great side in Division 2 that won the Anglo-Italian Cup. So mm-hmm. I can justify that. So Frank Burrows gets the first spot. So then Colin Calderwood comes in for the second centre-back spot, doesn't he? No, it's got to be <laughs> Sean Taylor. Oosh. Yeah. Oosh Sean Taylor. Oosh Sean Taylor was uh, my favourite player for, for many years. I, I think I revised that in time, but at the time, I just was yeah. obsessed with Sean Taylor. Fantastic man as well. Um, I've, I've actually met Sean, so I'm slightly biased. That's fine. That's it <laughs> was a client, him and his wife Jackie were lovely people. He was lovely to me as well. Um, but as a player, I saw him a lot and I liked his game. He even got me a free ticket when he was at Bristol. <laughs> I had to sit in the Bristol City stand, oh. pick my ticket up and uh, keep quiet to Swindon losing to Danny Wilson's. Oh. At the time, Bristol City. Was that the amber and black Tommy Mooney game? Or was that a bit before? No, but uh, it was before then. Well, I know, we lost to Bristol City I know all the time. David, we, I know David Duke was playing. He was one of the one of my my favourite people to uh, have a go at. Then. Oh well, I think you're you're in a large <laughs> group of people there. Um, Deary me, poor old David. King was manager then. But, okay. Uh, okay, then. So we've got a pretty good back four at the moment. We're missing yeah, one, but we've got David. I mentioned Culverhouse and Seagraves as well would have come into the reckoning. Yeah, uh, that's that's fine. But I think people would raise eyebrows on, 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 on Seagraves. No, no yeah. And but no Calderwood. Um, yeah. let's get the last spot, which is left back. Now, of course, 
this goes without saying we've got Jason Drysdale and Gary Elkins here, haven't we? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> Gary Elkins. Oh my God. No we're doubt doing, about it. In the 11. The hard men. Crunchers. Yeah. Uh, Darren Bullock. Yeah. Gary Elkins. My God. He could put a tackle in. Players played at the highest level in the Premier League with Wimbledon. So he, he gets the number three shirt, right? Sorry, Gary. <laughs> it's got to go to town legend John Trollope. Really. I'm shocked. <laughs> uh, good mentions to Paul Bowden and Phil King. Mm. Paul Bowden, Welsh international. Mr. Penalty, but never mind. Not, for, uh, <laughs> not when it mattered for us, though. <laughs> uh, fit, no, indeed. Um, and Phil King, it, it was quality, really. Yeah. But um, not enough appearances for my, to oust the <laughs> legend that is John Trollope. Who has? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a, a freak of nature in terms of, you know, fitness and... And when you consider 68, 69 being the season where he barely plays, he just goes to show like he barely missed yeah. a game for years and years. I think and, it broke his arm or something. Yeah, that's right. And um, just, just, you know, we do have a player in modern times in the Football League who has this level of service and he plays yeah. for MK Dons, Dean Lewington, but it's just a dying breed of players yeah. who are one willing to stay at a club for 20 years in their playing career and two fit enough to be able to play for that long so and considering what pitches and football was like during John Trollope's career an obscene achievement yeah and and good going forward as well yeah yeah so um yeah I think I've got a strong defense there Okay, well, let, let's even without Calderwood, even without Calderwood, <laughs> it's a very strong back four. Let's move to this three man midfield. Um, yeah, I'm going to be controversial here because there's one person that I have missed out, and it's uh, you won't see him on your notes, so, so I'm going to mention him now. It's not got in the team, is uh, dear Alan Mack, who probably should be in the team. But we've got such a riches here, you know, that it, it, this is a very difficult decision. Oh, my goodness. Paul, we're talking about three players. You've got to pick three players from 30 right. years and you've picked three players from the same squad. Um, but they're all superstars. Tell me your yeah. first one. John Monker. Yes. Great player. Um yeah, you know, good pedigree. Like you say, played at the highest level as well. Um, Just didn't get the most I out of him injury-wise. We, we got a bit... Yeah. He had a bit of bad luck early on with injuries. Yeah. Uh, then I'd go, obviously, he played for us at the back, but... I mean, obviously, international footballer Glenn Hoddle in midfield. Yes. Orchestrating everything, really. So playing the current Louis Reed role. Um, And 
left midfield would be Kevin Horlock. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I loved Kevin uh, Horlock. He's, he's a left-sided player, so I feel he, you know, he could work well in that space. Um, the, you know, leaving out Alan Mack is a bad one. Mickey Hazard as well. You know, doesn't deserve to be left out. But you, you've got the likes of Joey, Joey Butler and mm-hmm. Roger Smart that we discussed earlier. But maybe, you know, they they wouldn't be so good in the modern game. I don't know. It's difficult to say. Peter Noble was an excellent midfield player, but he could play up front as well. And of course, I mentioned if you want a bit of quality, Philippe Cuervo. Philippe <laughs> Cuervo, we can like him, but he doesn't, be- not, <laughs> he doesn't not belong in this team. playing on the left, he'd probably play on the right, but <laughs> he is a left field. I, I, I don't know why, I just, what I saw in him, but it was just, it was brilliant. This is yeah. your 11, you choose. Yeah. But- that would have, I think, people's eyebrows would have gone above their heads like Penfold if you would have, uh, if you would have put Cuervo into a thirty-year Swindon Town eleven. But he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's not there. Not but, he's got two mentions now. Yeah, exactly. And hey, he it's should get mentioned as much and... as possible. Now up front, go on. This is again thirty years, thirty yeah. years of forwards, and we've never been without a good centre forward. Tricky. I'm going to upset Chalky White here. Fjortoff, Roland and Mays. Shearer. Horsfield, Shearer, Quinn. Rideout. Mossy, Rideout, Bamba. Yeah. So, Anderson I've put down as well. Player, yeah. In the 70s, yeah. In the seventies, anyway, one of the best players I saw come into Swindon. It was in the McMahon time. It's George and Dar. Wow. Okay. And he's getting into my team because he was just his pace was phenomenal. So good. And I saw him take Oxford apart in a four-one win. There it is. So fantastic. Who are? Who are? Who are George and Dar? Yes, George and Dar. I'm going back to Peter Easter again. Yes. I think Peter Easter was a class centre forward. 51 goals in, in 108 games for Swindon. Pretty good. Yeah. You're not going to beat that, really. Um, Don Rogers. <laughs> 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 the other legend that is well the the real legend I think but uh, I you know I was I was lucky to see a lot of Don Rogers in my early days and even though he didn't play a lot in the 70s it, it, I just I, I, I just can't leave the Don out no just and a, you shouldn't a legend no you and, can't really he he would he would tear teams apart now. So he's in. 
<laughs> Who's managing this this 20, 20th century side? Ooh. Ooh. I do like a manager. Yes. Um, well, I'm going to go for. Um, you got you got a few months of Williams. We well, got Danny Williams in the second spell. You've got yeah. you've got uh, Mackay, Ford, Allen, Smith. I, I don't know what sort of manager. Danny Williams was really. Uh, we we knew that he was obviously good on uh, getting the teams together. I, I think his recruitment was fantastic out of the lower leagues. Um, but for technicality, I think it's got to be Glenn Hoddle. It's got to be. If you're talking modern, if you're talking modern management against a modern team, I think it's got to be Glenn, hasn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately, he's playing. So some people might argue to say, why have you got this manager as well? Yeah, he took us to the Premier League play and he can do what he wants, Glenn Hoddle. So there we go. Fraser Digby. Alan Mack as my sub and then um, and then Hoddle can come off and uh, manage from the side if we're in a bit of trouble at the end. Perfect. Look at that. There's the compromise. So the 20th century boys is Fraser Digby, David Kerslake, John Trollope, yeah. Frank Burrows, Sean Taylor, John Monker, Glenn Hoddle, Kevin Horlock, George and Duff, Peter Easto, and Don Rogers. Now, what we're going to do now, this is kind of like Burt Head era Reds versus Blues, the 21st century boys. I don't think we need to go through the decades like in the same depth because we're, we're living it. So let's yeah. that's, that's find out who the players are that are going to take on this, this 20th century side, all in their pomp as Swindon yeah. players. In goal, it can only be one, surely. Right. Fodderingham. Okay, so I mean, we did have some. We have had some Mildy. We've had Evans. We've had Lucas, yeah, steady goalkeeper. I've mentioned all of these: uh, Lucas, Evans, Brezavan. Yeah, I've even put down Jojo Wallacut. Yeah, but I don't think he's you know been sustained over a sustained period at all, uh, and definitely Mildenhall when he came in. I was begging for a, another keeper to come in because Grimmick used to do my head in and Talia <laughs> as well. I can remember Frank Talia uh, pushing one into the back of the net. West Brom at home 3 2, I think that was. Yeah. Yeah, I went oh to that God. one. I didn't really forgive him for that. Not many people did, Paul. Not <laughs> many people did. <laughs> Poor old Frank, no one. Francesco, Francesco, such a such a great name. Why call yourself Frank if you're Francesco or Francesco? It's it makes no. Wes Fodringham played far too much football for Swindon. He should have been, you know, play at a higher level or uh, playing elsewhere far earlier than he did. Which I love. Yeah. I appreciate that that uh, commitment. A, a really really good goalkeeper, reliable but as anything. I, I must say. He's Liga One, Liga One. <laughs> yeah. Does he realise? <laughs> <laughs> no, he um, no. He's a, a great keeper, and he, he gets uh, he gets my pick. Good, right back. Who are you going for? Mm. Well, I'm going to go for Paul Caddis. Yes, 
he's Swindon through and through. Um, it probably hasn't had as many uh, appearances as Robinson, who would be second on the list. Um, the likes of Burn. Robinson's two nineties for this vote. He's two nineties. He did play yeah. in the two thousands, but it takes him out. And a lot of people yeah. don't like Robinson he, or didn't rate him, did they? He was solid. Mm. Um, Jack Smith as well was yeah. a good servant there. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. The man that captained us to League Two and then came back years later and helped us get out of League Two again. We will forget the two relegations he had with Swindon, but he'll be very happy um, to be in this eleven. Um, yeah, it's just it's funny how a football club can have such a connection with a player, even though he did better things with Birmingham, you know, at a higher level. But the yeah. pull of Swindon Town, Paul, the pull of it. Drags you back in, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Who's in the middle then? Right. Um, we've got Gordon Greer. Of course. Just just the most complete centre-back. A perfect centre-back. I do forgive him for that wild tackle. What was he thinking? What was he thinking? Well, it's Dean Burton. <laughs> he was going to take him out, I think. <laughs> no, he's just red mist, I think. I, I, I really don't know. Have, has anybody ever asked him? Working on it. Um, <laughs> I think most people have, have replied on his behalf and they all shrug their shoulders and go, I have no idea. Um, just, just, Just the old school meets the new school with... Gordon Greer, and he's a leader. I'm surprised he's not a manager, to be honest. But, um, yeah, a real, real defining point of Swindon Town history is him leaving to Brighton. I, I genuinely do believe that. Yeah, no, it certainly did go downhill from there. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, total reliance on um, Sean Morrison at the time, who wasn't ready for it, really. And then he... No. he he went as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Swindon. So, so Swindon. So who's partnering? Who's partnering? Track with a sell-on clause for <laughs> 50k or whatever it was. Four and sixpence, yeah. So who's, <laughs> who's partnering Gordon Greer? Well, because he didn't get in at right back, I didn't mention him earlier. I, I think Nathan Thompson. Interesting. And I'll, I'll forgive him playing... Um, unfit in the final when we got Crazy. hammered by Preston. Crazy moment. But uh, I feel that he can play in that role and with somebody as dominant as Gordon Greer, I think he'd play alongside him pretty well. I love the working out here. Were any were any others up for consideration? Yeah, um, Gerald I feel. Mm. Uh Aidan Flint. Just too, the, the ending was too traumatic yeah. for us, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to Bristol City. No, no, no. Uh, Alan Reeves. Yeah. Again, he, he goes 90s to 2000s. So I'm glad we haven't got any crossovers in this side. So yeah, that, that poor old Reeves can qualify for both, but gets in neither. 
So yeah. we got Gordon Greer and Nathan Thompson. So our final one, <laughs> it can only be one left back you could have gone with. Well, there were loads that you could have gone with, but <laughs> you kept it local. This this one probably will meet with a bit of disagreement. <laughs> I've gone for Sol Davis. Yeah, why not? Go for it. Uh, I thought, you know, he left us far too early, really. Agreed. He wasn't given enough chances. Uh, he was a head. Mm-hmm. But that's what the crowd love. You know, he showed passion when he went in for a tackle. <laughs> Baby-faced uh, assassin, wasn't he? Oh, <laughs> he, he was. Um, I, I just like him over the other options, really. Nope, that's fine. He did quite well. Callum Kennedy didn't play much, really. McEverly, I thought he was a little bit not pacey enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Sol, Sol gets it. In he goes. Okay, so yet again, we have a three-man midfield. And again, we're sort of spoilt for choice in, in midfield in the modern era. I would say. So plenty of options for you. Walk me through the process. Right. Well, yes. I mean, there's some great players. um, But I I, I feel Massimo Luongo Mm -hmm. gets a place. Um, I feel sorry for Simon Ferry. But... uh, I, I feel that he his skill level was was brilliant and and when he matured as a play you know as a league player he was he he took some stopping as well going carrying the ball yeah so, Luongo uh, stuck around longer than I thought it never felt like it was going to be a long stay for Luongo but he still put in his you know he played just just over a right. hundred games in all comps he he, he did his bit. We signed him on some sort of dodgy contract, didn't they? Couldn't possibly we'll say. <laughs> Allegedly. What are you trying to do to me, Paul? You're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> um, so in the middle, I, I, want, I want a bit of strength in the middle, so I'm going for my friend, Mr Gurney. Ooh. Andy Gurney. Andy Gurney. <laughs> Wow, another another player I'm I'm not messing with. <laughs> no, you wouldn't mess with Andy Gurney. Um, there's there's lots of choice in there. Um, Tim Lynn, you wouldn't mess with him either. McCormack, I've got Sammy Igo, but he he was probably more in contention for the Luongo. Birth. Mm. Uh, Tommy Miller. Don't think I've missed anybody out really. And the third midfield slot, I'm going for Matt Ritchie. Well, yes. <laughs> There's not really much more you need to say, really, is there, about Matt Ritchie when he was at Swindon? No, not really. I mean, you, you couldn't leave him out. He was getting better and better and better yeah. too. That's the well, worst the thing. So start and then. Then you know he, he totally took off, uh, especially under Tacanio. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the Matt Ritchie thing that, that annoys me is obviously, you know, in typical Swindon way, it all implodes and goes wrong. But Matt Ritchie was happy at Swindon. That's the big difference. You know, normally they want to go as they get better and better and better. But Ritchie yeah. could see that Swindon were on the up and then it all comes crashing down and he's used as the yeah. uh, make weight for money. It's It's such a shame, but just yeah. he was... Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me that he's held down a career in the Premier League ever since, pretty much. So, yeah, right up front. Core, okay. We've got such a lot of riches here. Um, I'm going to go for Simon Cox. Yes, I'm being greedy here because they could all play centrally, really. Yeah, so. I'm, I've got a bit of a dilemma, but I'm just going to go for it with all three of them. Um, I mean, you could look at wider players like Christian Roberts, who I love to watch play. You know, he, he put some really good performances in for Swindon when he was, uh, you know, able to. <laughs> well put. <laughs> Um, in the centre Sam Parkin of course Super Sam and the last one it's it's hard but it's it's easy really because I think that Charlie Austin Mm. is the most prolific goal scorer I've ever seen at Swindon Town just positioning wise and being able to you know to anticipate where the ball's going to be and and stick it in the back of the net on top of that you know when he was on his game you know his all round game he could play you know up front chasing after the ball uh, you know, coming to get it, it, heading it. He was a complete player. So I'm it's being a bit greedy playing all those three together because I've, I've, I've probably got no width. I mean, going back to Simon Cox, I can remember him scoring that goal against Warsaw. And I, I just turned to my dad and I said, we're not going to keep him. It just went over his shoulder and he just volleyed yeah. in the corner. Typical Swindon done. fan mentality. They do something good and the first thing we think is, well, he's off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was just it was just too good for us. Yeah, but it's, it's it's and I've said this it's, on the pod before. His his and I always talk about legacy, but his legacy is tarnished yeah. by Charlie Austin because yeah. we should have been smarting the loss of Simon Cox for years to come, but yeah. Billy Painter and Charlie Austin did so well together, and Simon Cox's legacy was just, you know, and he was so, so good for us. Kept us yeah. up. I've got mentions for the likes of Painter, Rory Fallon, Grazioli. Yeah. I saw Graz score some fantastic goals for us, you know? Well, and Rory Fallon as well. Yeah. But very similar goals. Two, two of them, I've seen scored like 
goals of the century, really, for Swindon. Oh, his Bristol City so, goal should be yeah. should have won the like Pushkas Award or whatever. <laughs> it was, you know, genuinely to control the ball with your chest and then overhead kick. Forget about the opposition. Forget yeah. all that. that is. That is a Pushkas Award-winning effort. I, I don't know if it existed at that point, but it's a, it's a sensational goal. And then you put the stakes. Two teams trying to go up. Incredible, yeah. incredible. But he didn't make the eleven. The eleven, um, the the three forwards, and it, I, Tommy um, you, Rooney, Benson. Yeah, I like Benson when he came in, uh, a complete centre forward. I thought. Yeah, but I don't think you can argue. Obviously, too much. give a mention to Doyle, Ginger Pelly, but only, I you know, I, not proven at a higher level really against the team that we're. <laughs> we're going to play against. No, that's right. Who's who's man? So let's let's go through the eleven then. So the twenty first century boys is Wes Fodderingham, Paul Caddis, Sol Davis, Gordon Greer, Nathan Thompson, Masluongo, Andy Gurney, Matt Ritchie, Simon Cox, Sam Parking, and Charlie Austin. These two teams are in their pomp as they play against each other. But who's managing the twenty first century boys? Well, we we need a we need a madman to. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to go for Decanio. Okay, so Decanio versus Glenn Hoddle, um, quite the battle. How how do you see this game playing out? I I do you know what I think it's going to be um, fairly high scoring game, and I'm going to go three two for the oldies. Oh, so the twenty first, so the twentieth century boys get. I think they're. Just going to hold out because they've got a slightly stronger defence. Even without Colin Calderwood. And I don't think I've got enough width in my <laughs> 21st century team. I can't help so think you've stitched them up. I'm selecting the, the best players, but <laughs> there you go. That's very funny. <laughs> you've stitched up your own hypothetical 11 to give the win for <laughs> for the 20, 20th century Boys, yeah. um, well, I'm a oldie anyway. Now I'm giving it to the 20th century. It's three two. Up the 20th century. Well, there's 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 plenty for the guys to work on. I'm sure, probably on their width first and <laughs> foremost for the 21st century. Paul, I've really enjoyed this walk through, and I love your reasoning as well because yeah. people will be shouting, "Where's this player? Where's this player? Where's this player?" But this is I'm your sure. eleven. Yeah, and... I've covered a lot. Of off but I'm I'm sure I the people that I haven't mentioned might have been in my notes but uh you know I have I have considered a lot and isn't it <laughs> isn't it I think I've changed my all time elevens a million times you know people dip in dip out and yeah they they always change with time not necessarily because new players mm. emerge just like you start thinking about the contributions of yeah. players that aren't in your time 11. I think for a long time, my all-time 11 was essentially 92, 93. And now slowly but surely, players are leaving that and I'm recognising players from later years. Um, perhaps, a we, bit more. perhaps we should get our new technical director, Mr. D. McKayley, D. McKayley. To, um, to look at the stats on all these players and I'll put a result together for us. I need to see the data, Paul. I need <laughs> to see that data. Well, it's been an absolute privilege. Right. I hope everyone's enjoyed that walk down memory lane. Loads of great players. Paul, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good run by him and now
The Lowe's Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.